Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for stopping by the Courageous Truth Podcast this week. I wrap up our last series of three episodes on the joys of communism. And today I'm just going to summarize everything. I appreciate every single one of you who listened to these last couple of episodes. They, I'm sure, were very tedious to listen to because communism is so convoluted in its ideas and philosophies. But I do pray and hope that you got something out of it so that you can build a courageous stand for the truth against these ideas. Let's stand up. Let's not pass these things on to our children, to the next generation. God bless you, and I hope that you enjoy this episode. Stay tuned. Welcome, everyone, to the Courageous Truth Podcast, where we strive to live courageously through the lens of Scripture and build courageous lives in a world that is driven by fear. Your host is a proud parent, a proud pastor, a proud business owner, and a proud American. Tune in today for your dose of courageous truth. And now, your host, Eric Lundberg. There are two reasons why communism takes over a society that has no interest in any of these type of philosophies. The number one is ignorance. People don't understand what communism really is. Because every time communism creeps its way into society, it's because they're un- most people are ignorant. They don't understand what communism actually does. They don't understand the horrors and the immorality and the torture of it all. They don't understand that. Um, but a lot of people, they're just they're ignorant of the fact. They've been taught wrong. Or they, do, they just they have no idea. They, they look at the utopian society that it promises, and that's what they focus on, and that's what they believe is right. A lot of times, we see this because of our school systems that are teaching Marxist ideologies throughout the, the, the philosophies of the school. Now, and then of course, there's always willful blindness, where people, they don't want to have to face what they know is coming their way. They don't want to have to face the horrors of communism. So here's what I'm going to do, and here's how I'm going to, I'm going to close out this, this episode. I want to close out by listing the number of deaths that a communist regime have accumulated over the past 60 to 80 years. One million people were killed, and these are citizens, not soldiers. One million people, and this is according to Prager University, and these are going to be conservative numbers. One million people were killed in Vietnam. One million people were killed in East Europe, and this is after World War II. 1.5 million killed in Ethiopia. And we know the rabid starvation that took place in Ethiopia back in the late 70s, early 80s. It was one of the most horrific crimes against humanity. 2 million people in Cambodia. 20 million people in the Soviet Union killed in the streets, killed in the gulags. 
I always recommend a book, Live Not By Lies, by Rod Dreher, where he interviews people who lived through the communist regime, lived through the gulags, lived through the torture, lived through the spiritual, mental, and physical abuse put on by the communist regime and the horrible things that those families went through in the Soviet Union, not 40 years ago. This is recent history. This is in my lifetime. I would strongly recommend you to get that book, read that book. It should be recommended in every homeschool. They probably won't read it in public school, but they should. But it should definitely be read by every American who loves Jesus and every American who loves freedom. And then 65 million people in communist China. So here is here is what I'm going I'm going to end this I'm going to end this out. And you know, how does all this stuff come about? How does all this stuff come about? It starts with taking away of free speech. Starts with taking away anything that speaks out against the ruling class that most likely the citizens elected because they were lied to, they were seduced by a promise of something greater than they have when they end up worse than they were before. The freedom of worship, the freedom of travel, the freedom of enterprise, where you cannot go out and try and make a better financial life for yourself. The endless propaganda, the endless propaganda that pushes these ideas and philosophies out 24-7 that even the most vigilant person can fall victim to. There is prison, Soviet Union gulags, okay, burying people alive in Ethiopia. Because if you're afraid of the gulags in prison, you're going to fall in line with the communist regime. And then the trauma that people still today who have lived through communism, the effects that it still has. I have friends from Slavic churches that are very alarmed at what is happening in America because they lived through communism. They fled Czechoslovakia. They fled Romania. They fled different places, Estonia, because of the horrible communism to come here and now seeing it creep its way in under the guise of promises that they will never be able to back up. So this is page thirty of the Communist Manifesto, and I'm going to end it like this. These measures will be, of course, be different in different countries. Nevertheless, in the most advanced country, the following will be pretty generally applicable. So what I'm going to read is off of page 30 of the Communist Manifesto, and this is, is basically the 10 ideas that they are going to bring into the communist regime. Here's what it says on page 30, quote, these measures will, of course, be different in different countries. Nevertheless, in the most advanced countries, the following will be pretty generally applicable. One, abolition of property and land and application of all rents of land to public purposes. In other words, no private property. Two, a heavy progressive or graduated income tax. Three, abolition of all right of inheritance, four, confiscation of property of all immigrants and rebels, five, centralization of credits 
in the hand of the state by means of a national bank with state capital in an exclusive monopoly. Six, centralization of the means of communication and transport in the hands of the state. Seven, extension of factories and instruments of production owned by the state, bringing in to cultivation of wasteland and the improvement of the soil generally in accordance with the common plan. Eight, equal obligation of all to work, establishment of industrial armies, especially for agriculture. Nine, combination of agricultural with manufacturing industries, gradual abolition of the distinction between town and country by a more equitable distribution of the population of the country. Ten, free education for all children in public schools, abolition of child factory labor in its present form, combination of education with industrial production when in the course of development class distinctions have disappeared and all productions have been concentrated in the hands of a vast association of the whole nation the public power will lose its political character political power properly called is merely the organized power of one class for oppressing another if the potal if the proletariat during its contest with the bourgeoisie is compelled by the force of circumstances to organize itself as a class if by the means of a revolution it makes itself the ruling class and as such sweeps away by force the old conditions of production then it will along with these conditions have swept away the conditions for the existence of class antagonisms and of class generally and will thereby have to abolish its own supremacy as a class, unquote. I understand that's a lot. Here's what it's saying. It wants to do away with private property and make rent and living quarters equal all across the nation and all across the society, okay? They want to get rid of inheritance. In other words, Wealth cannot be passed down from generation to generation. All that wealth must go to the state to be re redistributed as the state sees fit. Here's the scary one. Centralization in credits uh, in the hands of the state by means of a national bank with state capital and exclusive monopoly. All your finances must be controlled by the state, by a state-run bank. There is no private financial institutions. That right there, I don't even need to go in any further. Rather alarming. Now, remember, when this was written, agriculture and farming and industry was one of the main ways of production. This was written right after the Industrial Revolution or closely after. So there was still that industrial revolution mindset. So agriculture and industry was one of the main ways to make a living. Everything was connected to those two ways. So they wanted to combine those two and abolish the distinction between the towns and the country. So everything had equal distribution all the jobs had equal distribution. You couldn't go from one to the other. You had to go to your assigned workplace. And then, of course, free education for all children in the public schools so they could indoctrinate them with communist ideologies 
from day one. And people loved it because they could send their kids, uh uh-oh, they could send their kids to the public school systems, and then they could go to work and make their wages and come back, and their kids would have been taken care of by the nanny state, and God bless them, their minds had been brainwashed by the communist ideas because they surrendered the rights of capitalism and free trade and free markets. Isn't that wonderful? And we see all the murders that happen when people wouldn't bend and break to the communist regime. We see the innocent people who were used as uh, fear martyrs to keep the communists in power. And I'm going to close this by saying, do we need to worry about this in America? Well, you be the judge of that. Listen to everything that was just taught. Go out and do research from far wiser, far better platforms than this one. But here is what I will say. If anything that you heard in these two episodes rang true with things you're seeing in society today, then here is my advice to you. Stand for freedom. Stand for truth. Stand for religious liberty. Because communism is seductive. Communism doesn't talk about the oppression that the governing ruling class is going to bring. They don't talk about it. They will seduce a young generation with the promise of utopia and the promise of fairness to everyone and that there is, they are going to come in and they are going to heal the nation and they're going to heal the oppressed and they're going to heal the people that have been taken advantage of by whoever. And they will make the oppressor out to be, they, well, they will, make the, they will make a certain class out to be a oppressor. And you, this is Karl Marx at his finest. They will make a certain group of people out to be the oppressor and everyone else is oppressed. The government comes and then begins to put pressure on the oppressor or who they say is the oppressor, until they bend and they bow and they break to the will of the state. And then the state controls them all. So ladies and gentlemen, what we are facing right now, and this is not new, but I believe that the 2020 COVID debacle has exposed what is truly happening and has been happening for generations. That the communist ideas that are so seductive are seeping their way into society there into there are there are communist literatures that have been printed and published by Harvard University which by the way is an american school is an american university communism is all throughout left wing colleges working their way through the ideology of those they are there to instruct. And we're seeing a generation that is falling in love with this new idea of communism. It comes in in the form of utopian socialism, and people want to adapt it. And we're seeing the the big push for racial oppression and racial oppressors, and we're just seeing people being divided more and more, and that should be our red flag right there. So, ladies and gentlemen, I can no longer talk about this. I know that there were some very tedious quotes. There were very, it was a very tedious episode, episodes. It was a very tedious episodes, 
But my, my hope and my prayer is that you will take to heart these things and that you will continue to take a courageous stand for the truth because, ladies and gentlemen, now is the time. Whether you're in New Jersey, whether you're in New York, whether you're in Arkansas, whether you're in Germany, whether you're in the Philippines, whether you're in Mexico, whether you're in France, these ideologies are worldwide. We must take a courageous stand because freedom is worth fighting for. And if we lose our freedom, what happens? We become slaves. Ladies and gentlemen, continue to take a courageous stand for the truth. I will see you next week. God bless you all. Thank you for tuning in to the Courageous Truth Podcast. We live in a world that is in desperate need of courage and in desperate need of truth. Our prayer is that this podcast will equip and inspire you to live courageously for your family, your community, your God, and for your country. Be courageous in your stand for truth in a world that is completely abandoned. See you next time right here at the Courageous Truth Podcast. Remember, truth requires courage.